Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Sunny Tuesday where I am and I'm looking forward to this series of podcasts. I actually have been super excited about this for quite a while. I have uh, a long, now what is a three-part episode or three-part series with none other than my really good friend and colleague Lee Carroll from Australia. Um, He has worked with Carrie Bone, been involved with MediEar for many years, so many of you will know him. But I wanted to chat with him because his recent endeavor has been around the use of medicinal mushrooms, not psychedelic mushrooms, but medicinal mushrooms for therapeutic purposes uh, in clinic. And I am so excited to let you listen in to my conversation. But here's the deal. It started out to be a two-part conversation. We were just going to do two episodes. And then at the end of the second episode, which you'll hear in a few weeks, uh, at the end of the second episode, there was so much information. It was like mind. You know that little emoji with the top of the head that goes like that? That's how it felt. And I thought, okay, time out. We have to extend this into a third episode. So I kind of put him on the spot. But anyway, what was supposed to be a two-part episode is now three parts. So here you go. I'm going to let you listen in to my conversation with none other than my good friend, Lee Carroll. He is going to give us the lowdown on why mushrooms are so important, their historical use, etc. You do not want to miss this. So get your pen and paper ready because you're going to want to take some notes. All right, here's my first part with Lee Carroll. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. As promised, I have my friend and guest, Lee Carroll, here with me today, and we're going to talk all things mushrooms. Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, Rhonda. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Lee and I have been friends for a long, long time, and uh, so it's so nice to be able to reconnect with him in this venue. And for the last couple of years, Lee, you have spent diving into the world of mushrooms yeah i have yeah been been in my little cave for probably three years no wonder i haven't talked to you in a long time yeah yeah developing and creating all the content yeah so yeah you have a brand new course out all about mushrooms and we'll talk about more about that towards the end of the show but before we came on air lee and i were chatting about all the things we wanted to talk about and i decided that what i wanted to do was learn more from lee about his deep dive into mushrooms kind of going back to the very beginning so lee if you would share with the audience and the listeners what we just talked about about where are the historical footprints of mushrooms, so to speak, in our ancestry, that paleo type perspective, and then bring us forward to today. Because right now, today, there's a big, big push for mushrooms, psychedelic mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms, all the things. So let's start in the beginning and then work our way towards up to the modern patient. Yeah, it's a fascinating question. And it's a really interesting area of study, Rhonda. There's a lot of mycophobia that flows through the Western part of the world. The eastern part of the, the world has always fully embraced mushrooms and, and used them as part of their cuisine and, and medicine going back ages. 
like 5,000 years, there's, yeah. there's really good recorded history. So in the West, we've been a bit mycophobic. I think there's a number of reasons around that. There's a few mushrooms that can kill you, but I think people in the past were a bit scared of the whole psychedelic thing and you don't want people right. like having too much of an enlightened view of the world because it disrupts the, <laughs> the control yeah. Yeah. governments have, et yeah. cetera. <laughs> so I was really curious of when, when's the evidence of the first kind of human use of mushrooms? So there's a few archaeological papers that have studied this and the, the researchers scrape teeth from archaeological specimens and then the, under a microscope they look at food fragments and they also now have DNA techniques where they can analyze some of the DNA. And the earliest evidence of human consumption of mushrooms is 48,000 years old. What? Neanderthals in living in caves in, in Belgium and Spain. And the Bisophon and Coprinopsis and the, the Porcini and the Agus, these are all mushrooms that ancient humans ate. And they're still ones that get used today as food and medicine. Shizen wow. commune is called the split gill. And that's, that has the honor of being the first one that was identified as being consumed by these people 48,000 years ago. And it's a food and a medicine today. And then as you go through time, there's, there's more and more specimens that get found more that are more recent. So in the period between 12,000 and 16,000 years ago, there's evidence that people in Spain again, who are much more developed, right. uh, that's like the end of the ice age. Yeah. We're eating huge amounts of bolites. So the porcini, which is kind of the signature mushroom of the, of the Italian cuisine, but also the, the, just all of the different types of agaragus, which are the button portobello and crimini family that we consume today. So okay. some researchers also looked at the carbon and the nitrogen signatures that mushrooms deliver. And the, cause researchers have developed ideas around how much meat was consumed by looking at the carbon and nitrogen isotopes in collagen of these ancient specimens. And nit nitrogen and carbon come, th those isotopes are delivered by mushrooms as well. So the researchers looked in, into that, said that the, the, the reporting of mushroom consumption in the, in the past for early humans and Neanderthals is, is underreported and underinvestigated. Oh. So all of the paleolithic diet stuff that, that there's a whole industry around writing books on right, that and, right, and diets, right. it has just excluded mushrooms arbitrarily without really considering what the real human history is. So, and then humans are designed to consume mushrooms. So there's, there's really good evidence for humans to actually need to eat them. It's not just that they deliver nutrients, they deliver the, the macronutrients. There's micronutrients and clinically relevant stuff that mushrooms deliver that keep humans healthy and where modern humans are less healthy because of an, an underconsumption of mushrooms. So can I ask a question about the going back to the paleo diet? So we all know what this paleo diet is, but if, yeah. if you believe, how would the paleo diet be differently or correctly, I should say, represented through the lens of mushroom consumption during that period of time? What would that look like today? Instead of the paleo diet we know, what, in your opinion, should it look like or would it look like today? Yeah, well, the, the modern interpretation of it would be consuming three, at least three meals a week of mushrooms where they're the main thing on the plate. So you don't eat the meat, but you have 
the similar kind of quantity of of grilled or fried mushrooms or oven baked or however you want to do it or boil so there's depending on the mushroom there's different levels of benefit that you get and a serving size is different for everybody there's research studies that you you take a serving of meat out of your diet in a week and replace it with just button mushrooms and you live longer you you have less diabetes you have less cancer it's it's quite profound so for us the mushrooms that we at least here in the u.s you're in australia but in the U.S., the mushrooms we have available to us are the portobello, you know, the button mushrooms. We've got some shiitake mushrooms you can get. Every once in a while, you get some random variety that'll show up at the grocery store. So if that's all someone that had had available to them, would that be appropriate? Or do we need to be going looking yeah. for those mushrooms somewhere else? They're perfect. Okay. The humble criminy and portobello do a really good job. They don't do the whole job, but they do a really good job. Good to know. There's a lot of faddishness around the exotic nature of all the mushrooms Mm -hmm. you can grow. And Mm -hmm. I love that, but it, not everybody has the budget to like spend the the money on buying a a more exotic type mushroom. You can grow them yourself for sure, but not everybody's interested in doing that. So it doesn't matter what the mushroom is. And if you, of those ones you just mentioned, Shiitake is probably the most important edible and possibly the, the cream of the crop in terms of medicinal mushrooms. So eating that one on a regular basis delivers significant immunological advantages over the over the aragus or the or the criminy or the button yeah. mushroom. But what about the amino acid profile? You just, I, I can hear somebody saying, yeah, well, but if I pull meat out of my diet, then I'm not going to have all the amino acids. And so you're talking about doing that replacement from a nutritional standpoint, but is there any compromise to the overall diet, blood sugar, that kind of thing, by just having mushrooms be that kind of central piece of the meal? Yeah, well, it is It is always a challenge because people, it's easy to take something away from a conversation that isn't actually said. So I'm yeah. not advocating for people to replace all of their meat with mushrooms, but a couple of meat, a couple of meat meals a week is quite a healthy thing to do. The yeah, modern human probably yeah. eats a bit too much meat, and there's yeah. a whole whole discussion there. Yeah. But the amino acid profile of mushrooms is is not as good as as meat, but it's it's pretty impressive. I think there's a slightly different balance of the expression of them. Mm-hmm. So there's no downside to including more mushrooms in your diet and taking a bit of the meat out. Yeah. Even if you were to like balance that, out, you know, instead of eating your normal serving of chicken or beef or whatever that animal protein was by just even, you could cut that meat in half, you know, the meat serving in half, just reduce it and then increase the amount of mushrooms on yeah. the plate. But good to the, know about the shiitake. I love that. Yeah. And the thing to focus on is just increasing the bulk of the mushroom consumption because when people eat mushrooms it's used as like a, a garnish yeah or a little yeah. bit of a side on the plate but yeah we need to be thinking about eating them in higher quantities yeah 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 that's i think there's the there's the correlation with like the whatever the main dish is the main food that you're eating in yeah. your meal if you talked about looking at the amount of mushrooms let that mushrooms be the staple of the meal um, yeah yeah, by and size or volume. We, it's a difficult topic because many people don't even cook their own meals anymore. So if, yeah. you, if you're only cooking two or three meals at home a week, then adding mushrooms in is going to be like maybe a bit challenging. Yeah. So that's that's where 
supplements and mushroom teas and, and things come in so that you, you can still get the benefit without without all of the cooking. Yeah. Is there a benefit one way or the other to cooking versus raw? Mushrooms need to be cooked. Yeah, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be eaten raw. Some portobellos and things grow in cow manure, so you need to be careful about what comes on for the ride with the mushroom. Yeah. And the, the active constituents in mushrooms the, the beta-glucans are the prime right. prebiotics and immunological activating, and they, they need to be cooked for a couple of hours to get the full benefits when you're doing a, like a, a commercial extraction. And some of the more highly specific nutrients from mushrooms like ergotheanine are very heat stable, so cooking doesn't damage them. So you're not an advocate of raw mushroom consumption. So then from a practical standpoint, as Lee talking to a patient about this, we're all learning here, listening as practitioners or providers, but talking to this, talking to a patient about this, I'm envisioning being able to say, throw some mushrooms in a crock pot, turn that thing on low and let it sit there, let, let it go. Yeah. With some vegetables, yeah. with a bit of chicken, yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's easy and it's incredibly tasty. Yeah. yeah. And nutritious. Yeah. So, and, you, right, so and it, nutritious. Yeah. Here at we a very, are. very deep level. Yeah. So here we are at the, now the modern, kind of the modern world and how that looks here. So why would we want to, I mean, obviously from a nutritional perspective, but I, it feels a bit overwhelming to me to know kind of where to start with this. I can talk to the patients about eating the mushrooms that are in the grocery store. Just get the organic mushrooms where you can cook them up. I, that, that I think I can handle. But, but clinically we have to have, there's going to be people who would just say, I hate mushrooms. I won't eat them yeah. and I don't like them. Yeah. So then we they, have to be able exist. to, yeah. yeah, then we have to be able to supplement that and bring that conversation full circle into a practice where we're not only just giving information, but then we're driving the revenue of the practice as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your suggestions about, like, I think why this is the, probably the better question. Why would we as clinicians need to know more about mushrooms right now? Yeah, it's a good question. There's, there's quite a few reasons. No, number one is that mushrooms are really in the consciousness of the publics. They're right there. So the patients are primed for a mushroom conversation because they're, they're seeing it on social media. They're hearing about it everywhere they go. So being current as a practitioner is really important. And we've, I think as a, as a group of practitioners, particularly the world that we inhabit and the, the influences that have shaped how we think clinically, mushrooms have been notably absent from that discussion. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that, but we need to, we need to get the address, the, the imbalance and humans need mushrooms to be healthy and mushrooms form the food and the medicine. So from a medicinal point of view, as a practitioner, we really need to get on board and appreciate the just what a mushroom has to offer. And then when we're when we're good in clinic, we're, we're more successful. We have happier patients and we and we make more money. Right. So, you know, getting on board with mushrooms now is a really ideal time for the for the practitioner to capitalize on on that wave of like of a interest, wave exactly a wave of interest yeah. and yeah and that's where my education programs come in there's been a real dearth of quality information to support the use of mushrooms there's been lots of really good information but not bringing it together and creating like a solid body of of work that would allow someone to say oh my god i had no idea that mushrooms 
have all of this to offer. Right. Um, so, so tell tell me a little bit about your course. So my course, I've just launched it. My website's Herba Meditari. Oh, I've got to point this way. Yeah, wherever that Herbitari. is. Herbitari.com.au. Yeah. And the course is, it's on demand. It's fully self-paced. It's There's eight modules that take you through everything that you need to know about what makes mushrooms medicinal so that you can understand the the what it is about a mushroom that you know is going to make it work there's a module on quality there's a module at the at the beginning that sets the scene for what's the, why why mushrooms what's the importance of them and then at the end there's a module with that i cover 10 mushrooms and it's supported with 50,000 words of of written material for those that like to read there wasn't a textbook to use so i had to kind of write my own nice there's, work. there's 10 monographs to support each of the each of the mushrooms that I talk about. So there's 14 hours of, of online material. There's 87 videos. And wow. I've designed a course that would suit beginners and for people that have got a more advanced understanding. And the way that I've managed that within the program is that I've divided, I used to do just very long videos. So there'd be like an eight hour course and there'd be four two hour videos. That's that's just not user friendly anymore. So I've got 87 videos in those 14 hours. So the average video length is only 10 minutes long. And Which I've, makes I've it rate... so nice to consume it. It's so much better. Yeah. And I've, I've rated them all as essential, recommended and optional. So a practitioner knows that I really do need to do the essential ones. And recommended means that I only have to do it if I'm interested and optional means it's either nerdy or, or it's a topic that you might not want to practice in. Like if I'm talking about mushrooms benefits in preeclampsia, if you don't ever see a pregnant patient, then you don't need to do that particular right. module. Right. Yeah. So we'll link in the show notes to your course for anyone who's interested. And I highly recommend it. I actually purchased the course myself and you. Um, could, you're welcome. I'm happy to support you. And I appreciate, I think this is where for me, the, the exchange, the, the dollar exchange is the, va the value is that, I mean, you've put in thousands of hours researching yeah, and learning yeah. and writing, and I don't have time to do that. So I'm so happy to give you my money in exchange for your condensed knowledge. That's going to save me time. And ultimately, it's going to help me help the patients. And I'm going to be able to build a better footprint for my own clinical practice by being able to be well-versed, educated, knowledgeable about this new wave, we called it, of mushroom awareness. And I, I think I couldn't yeah. recommend high, high enough your course, A, and then B, that practitioners really take this seriously. I think this is for those practitioners who don't Take this seriously. Don't become educated. Learn how to use mushrooms in their clinic. The, for the practitioner who does, they're probably going to race out a little bit ahead of you. And I don't want you to get left behind. So highly, yeah. highly recommend yeah. diving in. And I've got a track record in allowing practitioners to understand a, a topic. And it used, my focus has always been on herbal medicine. And Practitioners that have taken my previous herbal medicine courses, yeah. they've been much more successful in business. They've they've had better better outcomes, and their 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 sales have improved. Their net incomes significantly gone up. So it's not just academically understanding something; it's right. it's honing your skill and mm -hmm. and being better at what you do. And that doesn't mean just 
oh, this, this mushroom does this thing and I give it in this dose in this situation. It's also the language that you use around the, 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 the patient consult. So being able to explain to the patient why mushrooms are important, having the stories to tell, having the language, having the, 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 the insights to deliver is, is a really big part of, of being successful in that, in a, in a new category. So right. that, that's a big part of what you get as well. Yeah. And when you have the ability to resolve issues, health issues for someone and do that in a way that is cost effective, you're going to end up reaping that benefit way long-term because the patients are happier. They don't end up feeling like they're spending five, six hundred, seven hundred $700 a month on herbs and supplements when you might be able to just recommend one or two mushrooms at a much lower cost, get them the same, maybe a better benefit depending on the situation. And yeah. that always comes back. Oh, so much more. The referrals yeah. are better, et cetera. So yeah, from a exactly. business standpoint, it is, yeah. it's a yeah. way, way, way better option. Yeah. So. yeah. And I'm not giving up on my herbal medicine credentials. I just, I just realized that mushrooms needed to be dealt with properly and people needed access to good quality material so this first part's all about mushrooms but the second part of what i'm going to do is integrating mushrooms into clinical practice so how how do mushrooms fit into the existing herbal programs and mushrooms are not going to replace herbs it's not a it's not either or choice it's about how do you sensitively integrate them right and there's there's so much interest there and my my ability to help patients in clinic now has improved incredibly with, with this new knowledge. Are you, and you're seeing results, better results, faster results, different results. How would you quantify that? Over time, mushrooms build much more resilience into a, into a patient's health. So they, they're, they're less sick. If they do get sick, they're not as sick in the frequency, everything around that long-term resilience improves. And in the categories where mushrooms are strong, and mushrooms can't resolve everything, but in the, in the categories where mushrooms are strong, things send, tend to happen a lot faster. Mm. So it's hard to try and encapsulate that in a, in, in, in a short yeah. period of time. But with yeah. my autoimmune patients, for example, I have, I have a bunch of patients with, with lichen sclerosis, for example. I got a patient with psoriatic arthritis, and they've they've improved much much more significantly with the addition of the mushrooms than in the previous period of my practitioner life where I wasn't using mushrooms. So faster results and more profound results. Wow. A couple of lichen sclerosis patients I've got, they they've their conditions kind of effectively in remission. Wow. And that's a tough, that's a, that's a challenging one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Definitely challenging one. I just, I've I've always had some of those patients. So I've had, I've had 20 years of experience in dealing with that and it's challenging. So the use of tremella notably is a, is a mushroom that I've been using, which has made a big difference. Well, this is a good spot to end this part one episode because our next episode, the next podcast that you guys will all get next week. So stand by, but our next episode is going to be about Lee's top five picks of mushrooms. And we're going to talk about the counterfeits 
and the counterfeit information that may be out on the market that you need to know before you go out and just start buying up a bunch of mushrooms. So we are going to dive into that. And I'm sure that just in the general conversation, we'll probably have some more things that'll come up. And I don't know what those are, but those are the two things I do know we're going to talk about next week on the podcast. So before we sign off, Lee, is there anything that you want to say before we we're going to hit the pause button literally and keep Uh, this conversation going, but to wrap this one up, is there anything else you want to add? No, just it's, it's great to, to be interacting with you again. It's been so many years and I'm just really, really excited to be sharing this mushroom information. Practitioners really, really need to know about it. Well, I can't wait. And so we're going to hit the pause button for all of y'all. See you next week, but I'm going to hit the pause button. Lee and I are going to continue this conversation. You'll get to listen to it in a few, (laughs) in a few days. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Wasn't that just so good? Oh, listen, this is one of those podcasts that you're probably going to want to listen to again and again. Definitely save download because you're going to want to listen to this one like while you're out walking or at the gym. There's so many great nuggets in here. I took a ton of notes. I actually had to go back and listen to it again or chose to, I should say. And I made a whole bunch of notes. So, so good. So here's how you can connect with Lee. Uh, most importantly, here's how you can grab that uh, mushroom course he has. So his website is Herba Meditari. So H-E-R-B-A and then M-E, D as in dog, I-T-A-R-I dot com dot A-U. So we have the link in the show notes. So Herba Meditari, like med, medicine, M-E-D-I-T-A-R-I dot com dot A-U. So you can go grab that course. It is well worth it. I've already begun to dive in and get through the content. And it's so, so, so good. I'm loving all of the work and time and effort that he's put into this. Lots of nice, short, actionable, concise lessons and videos that are easy for you to consume. So go grab the course. And if you want to follow Herb, he's got a great uh, Facebook and Instagram presence. So on Facebook, He is Lee Carroll Herbalist, and it's L-E-E-C-A-R-R-O-L-L Herbalist. And then on Instagram is his business name, which is Herba underscore Meditari. So all this information is in the show notes. So go check it out. Go find and follow him. And he's always posting great information about what he's up to, what he's eating. Like, I love knowing what he's eating. I look at his meals and think, oh, would you come cook for me? Because I need someone like that that will cook these mushrooms up for me. So anyway, go find and follow him and grab that course. The link again is in the show notes. Thanks so much, my friends. I'll be back next week with Lee part two. Have a great week. Talk to you guys.